Evening, everyone. Thank you, Judith and uh, Liz, for helping us in that, that really special time of, of prayer. And, and also thank you for, for identifying that as a 36-year-old, I'm now actually middle-age. So, uh, yeah, maturity is coming, right, slowly but surely. Right? Um, this evening, I want to talk to you, um, not about my favourite verse of Scripture, but my, one of my worst scriptures, or, or should I say, one of my hardest scriptures to get my head around. And that's because this particular passage is really challenging to me. And as a teacher, I know that one of the best ways to learn is to teach. Um, often I get children to work in groups to teach a concept because they then really learn it. So I'm, I'm talking to you this evening as a way of trying to learn myself through this particular passage. In view of the things that we've spoken about already today, we, we can recognise that life can be difficult and can present us with troubles and challenging situations. And I certainly want you to know that in no way today, through the, the message I bring you, am I belittling any of the troubles or trials that we face and you'll see where I said that when you look at the passage that I've, I've chosen. So I've titled this talk, Worry Versus Concern, a reflection on Matthew 6. And if we could have a, the scripture up on the screen, that'd be fantastic. So this passage can be found in, in Matthew 6, verses 23 through to thirty. Actually, verse 25, sorry. And it's it's titled in in, uh, the translation I appeared, Do Not Worry. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you with little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough travel of its own. So the, the context of this passage arrives in Matthew um, 6. And in Matthew 5, we read the Beatitudes, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I liken this passage to a bit like a cheese board at the end of a nice dinner meal. The disciples have been spiritually fed through the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is continuing those reflections afterwards. And he talks about piety, about giving, about fasting and prayer. And then this passage comes up and he begins to talk about 
worry. Recently, as a family, we were going on holiday just over the Easter period, and we were heading off to Turkey, to the east of Turkey, to Kusadasi, near Ephesus. Um, we got to go and see Ephesus, which was fantastic, to see all the sights and the streets that, that Paul and Timothy would have walked. A really amazing place. Uh, and we were going on a Saturday, early in the morning. The school was finished on the Friday. So we got back, and of course that meant one thing, packing. And the girls and Katie were already done, and it was my turn late on the Friday evening to pack. And I don't know how you pack, but um, my kind of system is I go room by room, and I think, what might I need from this room? And then I take it, and I put it in my case, job done. So kitchen, bathroom, my room, wardrobe, and all that jazz. And, and then I think, oh, I must get Dora's nightlight from her room, because otherwise she'll complain that she can't sleep when we're away because it's too dark. So she'd been asleep for about an hour, so I knew it was safe to go in, not, didn't want to disrupt or anything. So I kind of I creep in, go up to the, unplug the nightlight, pick it up, and then I have this moment where I just stop and I look over and I see my beautiful five-year-old fast asleep. Such an, an image of peace and tranquility. And as I kind of stood gazing, just this love and pride and all of this positive emotion just filled my whole heart and my whole body. It was blissful just looking at her sleep. And then suddenly, in that moment, I thought, hmm, now Dora's quite independent. She likes to run ahead. What if, when we're at the airport, she runs off and gets taken and I never see her again? This was my legitimate thought process. And... I call this a worry spiral, right? So I then went out of the room, tried to sleep, couldn't, because I couldn't get this out of my head. My heart was racing. I was kind of thinking, should I talk to Katie about this? But she was asleep, so I knew waking her would make it worse. So I just laid there worrying and working through all of these worst-case scenarios in which by going on holiday to a lovely sunny place was going to end up with me losing and never seeing Dora. Again, worrying can be very unhealthy. So what what is worrying and why do we have worrying? Well, first of all, I like to call worrying the thief of the night that robs us from joy and from contentment. It is a path to anxiety, to stress, to mental and physical ill health. Just checking, is there any neurologists in the room? I just need to check this. Because we're going to talk a little bit of science now for a moment and I don't want to, uh, to talk to someone that knows far more than I do about the brain. Okay, so the, the brain... I'm a teacher here, this is why we're doing the sciencey thing, I do apologise. But the, the brain is made up of lots of different lobes or systems, and one of those is called the limbic system, okay? And it deals with emotion. And within, within this part of the brain, there is the amygdala, and that is right in the middle, right in the middle of the brain. And that is where the emotions of worry in your brain, when you're worrying or you're thinking, the kind of the emotional neurological work goes off there. And if we're not careful, it starts to release into our body these hormones which raise our heartbeat, 
raise our blood pressure and create this feeling of tension. So when I was lying in bed, feeling like I couldn't sleep because I just felt so tense and I was worrying about Dora, physically, biologically speaking, in my body, that's what was happening. My heart rate was elevated, blood pressure was up, I was feeling tense, okay? Now, that limbic system can also be referred to as the emotional part of our brain. And the emotional part of our brain, in some ways, is actually there to try to help us, to keep us safe, okay? And when we worry, it tends to be about things and situations that might affect us or might affect those that we love. And that could be through uh, potential harm. So when I was worrying about Dora, I was actually worrying about my daughter being in a crowded environment, lots going on, where she could possibly, in some way, maybe be harmed. So our thoughts can happen in our brain and it can have all sorts of biological implications to our body. But we still worry, right? It still happens. And in this passage, it's not like Jesus is saying that worrying as a thing doesn't happen. He's not saying that. He's just saying that we shouldn't do that. He's also not saying that we won't come across difficult and troubling situations in our lives. We have prayed about tonight difficult and troubling situations. I'm sure at the moment in your own lives there may be some difficult and troubling situations that you or your loved ones or those that you know closely are going through. So it's not that Jesus is saying don't worry. Uh, Sorry, he's not saying that worrying doesn't happen. He's just saying we need to think about how we deal with that in a healthy way. So how might we deal with this whole notion of worrying in a more healthy way. And the word I want to use for that is the word concern. What is concern? There's another part of our brain, and that's the frontal lobe of our brain, and that's known as the reasoning part of our brain. The thing that deals with that a lot more logical thought, okay? So we have that maybe crazy worry thought and then we start to think things through. And the reason I got to sleep that night, aside from the fact I was really tired from all the packing and walking from room to room trying to remember what I need, was that I started to think, actually, I've already been to the airport with Dora three times in her life. She didn't run away. I used a good strategy the the time before, which I gave her a suitcase that was a little bit heavy, so it means she couldn't go that fast. Actually... She'll probably be all right. And if she's getting a bit too far ahead, I'll say, Dora, do you want to cuddle? That always works. She just loves being cuddled, okay? Loves a carry. So the reasoning part of my brain kicks in and it can help me to form that worry, that thing which could potentially be harmful to me, and it changes it into a concern. And I like to think of concern as a route to compassion and then there's a route to action. When we are concerned about something, we can act a bit more thoughtfully. We can seek out those that might know more than we do. We can think back to past experiences that can help us. We can ask people to pray for us. We can pray ourselves. We can talk it through with someone. So that worrying thought which might seem a bit weird and it might seem a bit exaggerated 
or kind of worst case scenario can be wrapped around and changed to concern. How might we do this practically? Well, I, I was going out with the, the girls a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Katie was doing some work at her school on a Saturday. I know that sounds all bad, but she actually was doing some work on a Saturday. And um, so I was going to take the girls out for the day. We were going to go to the park, and we were pro- probably going to go to... Um, can't remember where we we're going to go now, but we we're going to go somewhere for the day. Okay, so I was packing all, all the bags in the morning. I thought, right, I'm going to make sure I've got enough food because otherwise that could cost me fifty pounds getting a couple of ice creams and a few drinks. So I'll get more food than I need, and I'll make sure I've probably got a few extra pairs of clothes because Dora probably will jump in a puddle or something like that. It's just what she's like. Uh, Florence probably will need a book because she might like to at some point have a read and just relax because that's what she likes to do. So I was thinking of all of these things I had to get ready, and Florence came over to me and said, Daddy, Daddy, you look like you're a little bit busy. I said, yeah, yeah, I am actually quite busy. And she said, I'll tell you what, stop, breathe, and believe. (laughs) Stop, breathe, and believe. And I kind of looked at this moment where I said, like, oh, such wisdom, right? And I thought, well, how, that can really help us when we are converting our worries to concerns which lead to compassionate acts, having something that we can do. So let's think about the stop bit, okay? Stop. When we have these worrying thoughts that we all have, but you kind of think, oh, why did that come from? Or why have I had that thought? We need to recognise it for what it is. It's a worrying thought that probably we, have, we are going to overemphasise we're going to lead to worst-case scenarios. Okay? But if we stop and recognise it, we think, OK, I've had this thought. Let's try now to engage some reasoning. Let's talk to some people about it. Let's see, right, actually, is this worry something that's going to happen or healthy? So let's stop. Let's breathe. Breath is a wonderfully present thing, okay? A breath that we take in and out, in and out, moment by moment. What a gift from God. There's no future when it comes to breathing. There's no past when it comes to breathing, although there will be if you don't do it, because you will then exist only in the past and not in the present. But breathing really helps us to be in the moment. I I like to cycle and I like to run, and there's nothing like the feeling of being slightly out of breath when you've finished, because it eventually starts to calm down and regulates itself into normal breathing patterns and like yeah I've had my exercise that's great and now I'm back to normal breathing so breathing keeps us in the present worrying likes to drag us into the future and often into scenarios that are pretty weird and out there okay worst case scenarios worrying likes to drag us to or worrying likes to drag us back to the worst of our past that we may have experienced But when we breathe, we are in the present. And God can help us in that moment. As we pray and as we seek him, God can help us in that moment. And believe. 
Now, believing is such an interesting concept because often we can think about our beliefs as to what we think, but so much of our beliefs is shown by how we act. So there was this family, a regular family, regular church-going family, uh, quite traditional in their outlook. Uh, Mark, Jane and two children, let's call them Emma and Sam. And so Mark comes in late from a busy day at work and he goes to sit down. Dinner's all been laid out, it's all ready. He sits down in and he observes the wonderful feast that his wonderful wife Jane has prepared for him. And as he looks at it, he sees there's some lovely chicken and some gravy and some veg. And then he looks over and he sees new potatoes. Right, so you're thinking new potatoes. It's got to be roast potatoes in this scenario, right? And so does Mark. So Mark says, uh, Jane, uh, there seems to be a bit of a problem here. There's no roasts on the table, just new potatoes. Uh, to which Jane replies, that's what we've got this evening, dear. He says, you're joking. I really just want roast potatoes with this. His little girl pipes up, Emma, and she says, uh, Daddy, uh, we're going to start now. Is it prayer time? She says, okay, yep, let's all pray. Uh, close your eyes, and bow your heads, put your heads, hands together and pray. Father God, we thank you for the wonderful food that we have in front of us and pray you bless it to our bodies. And they start to eat. But Emma's not quite finished with the questions. And she says, Daddy, 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 I have a question. Yes, dear? What part was God listening to earlier on? Was he listening to the bit where you were moaning about the potatoes? Or was he listening to the prayer bit when you said thank you for his wonderful food? You see, Mark's got a bit of a problem here. He's just had a bit of an argument. He's moaned about his food. And then suddenly he's praying for the wonderful food that he has in front of us. There's a disconnect Really, isn't there here? There's a disconnect between what Mark is believing and what Mark is actually doing. And this is really important as we think about the concept of worrying. Worrying can be something that we can get ourselves so wrapped up in that we forget to live out our belief. Our passage says at the end, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Troubles will happen. We will worry. But I wonder if we could, and I am saying this to myself, I'm wondering if we're able to begin to work on capturing those worries, changing them to a concern. And as we are concerned for people, Tonight, our prayers have come out of a place of concern, right? A place of love and a place of concern. As we change our worries, as we think them through, as we stop, breathe and believe, our worries can be concerns which become compassionate acts which can make a change. And what's the aim of this passage? Where is Jesus heading us towards? He's heading us towards... The kingdom of heaven. He's heading us towards the kingdom of heaven. A new place, a place where there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no worries. But at this moment, as we deal with difficult situations in our lives, I pray that we can be concerned for one another, that we can ask God into those difficult, difficult testing situations and with concerns we can act compassionately with each other 
and within our own lives as well. Should we pray? Father God, it's such a, a challenging a challenging topic of worrying. And Father, I pray that as we probably all wrestle with this each day, you, you would help us maybe this week and, and tomorrow, even this evening, to be able to shift some of those worries to concerns, concerns that we can invite you into, concerns that we can ask others to pray and to help us with. Father, I pray that our worries do not become so burdensome that they can hurt us. But Father, I pray that we can be bold and we can speak with others. We can ask you into the situations of our lives, both good and bad. So Lord, this week, tomorrow, this evening, may we be shining lights for you in the way we live our lives, the way we deal with the good and with the bad that life brings. And pray, Lord, that we wouldn't do that on our own, but with our friends, our loved ones, and with our church. Amen. Amen. Thank you.